Luke chapter number 7, verse 18. Are you ready? Verse number 18. Then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. And John, calling two of the disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we need to seek another? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist had sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we need to look for another? And at that very hour, he cured many infirmities and afflictions and evil spirits. To many who were blind, he gave sight. And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you have seen and which you have heard, that the blind see and the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And when the messengers of John had departed, he began to speak to the multitude concerning John. What do you see when you go into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what do you go out and see? A man clothed in soft garment, indeed, those of gorgeous apparel that lived in luxury in king's court? But what do you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send a messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. This morning, just for a few moments, I want to preach on the thought, when you have to repeat yourself. When you have to repeat yourself. Look to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I'm tired when I have to repeat myself. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I I'm tired when I've got to repeat myself now. Now, Lord Jesus, I, add, I ask you to add your blessing to the preaching of the Word. I pray that the Word would go forth in power. I pray that the Word would go forth in boldness, that everything that is said and everything that's done, Lord, would bring you the glory, and everyone shouted a great big amen. Now, I know that all of us have weaknesses, we have failures, and we have faults. As a matter of fact, I haven't met a perfect person yet. Now, I have met people who acted like they were perfect, but I have never met a perfect person. Because I believe that all of us, no matter how hard we try to be right, and no matter how hard we try to be perfect, some way along the way we fall short of perfection. That is why the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have something in common this morning. All of us. We all dress differently. We work at different jobs. We have different worldviews and different perspectives. But all of us have something in common, and that is this, the human nature. All of us have a desire to be better. All of us have a desire to be a, to be a winner. All of us have a desire to make an impact in our life and on our generation. But somehow along the way, we fall short, don't we? That's what we have in common. But I'm reminded that yet when we were sinners, Christ still died for us. That even in our lowly state, even in our sin and in our mess, Christ revealed his love to us and Christ revealed his mercy to us. That is why once in a while I like to throw my hand up and give God praise and glory because when I was a sinner, his grace was still 
pulling me to Calvary. Can I hear an amen? So, so we, we all have mess-ups. We have hang-ups. And, you know, some of us have different, different things about us that if somebody gets to know you, they find out that person don't like that. Am I right about it? You know, some people don't like to repeat themselves. How many's ever had a parent that they only had to look at you one time and give you the eye and tell you one time and they wasn't going to tell you anymore because if they had to tell you one more, you was going to be introduced to the gospel. Can I hear an amen? You was going to be introduced to the board of education. If they had to repeat themselves one more time, you were going to be introduced to the gospel. Now, now, obviously things have changed. And I hear a whole lot of people repeating themselves. And you know why people repeat themselves? People repeat themselves because usually the person is not listening. That's why parents get aggravated. Did I not tell you to clean your room? Did you not listen to me the first time? If I've got to repeat myself one more time, you just wait till your dad gets home. The reason that aggravates us is because we take offense to that because if we've got to repeat ourselves, we're actually saying, you're not listening to me. Because if you listened to me the first time, you would have got it. And ladies and gentlemen, right in this scripture this morning, I just read to you the story of John the Baptist. Now, maybe you're not familiar with John the Baptist, but the Bible tells us, the scripture I just read to you, that John the Baptist was a great man. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he was a great prophet. The Bible even says that no other man was born like this man. This man was a great man. He was a prophet. Not only was he a prophet, but the Bible says in the book of Matthew that he was Jesus' cousin. Now, I don't know about you, but being related to Jesus is probably a good thing, don't you think? It, don't you think? Now, I know in our day, our homies, if you was related to Jesus, they would be all, Jesus, do you think that you can make this water into wine? Do you think you can spot me $10? Jesus said, well, I don't have no $10. Well, you know, you're Jesus. You, you, you can do the miraculous. How many knows that Jesus never abused his power? And John was Jesus' cousin. So John is not only a prophet, not only is he a great prophet, Jesus calls him a great prophet, but John is Jesus' cousin. And, you know, John not only is aware of Jesus' ministry, not only did John see Jesus' ministry, not only did he experience Jesus' ministry, but he was related to Jesus. Now, how do I know that? Well, the very beginning of John's life, look at this scripture. You don't have to turn there. But the Bible says in Luke chapter number 1, verse 41, Luke chapter 1, verse number 41, look what happens at the very beginning of John the Baptist's life. Luke chapter 1, verse number 41, the Bible says this, Luke 1 and verse number 41, listen to the phrase here that speaks of John the Baptist. Verse number 41, and it happened. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? So right at the very beginning, 
his mother Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and the baby began to leap in her womb. What baby? John the Baptist. So number one, John the Baptist knew who Jesus was in the womb. Number one, the womb. He knew who Jesus was in the womb. Somebody shout out womb. So he jumped in the womb. Somebody say womb. So isn't it interesting that this man is jumping on the inside of his mother. He's jumping in inside of her womb. He's not even born yet. And yet he acknowledges who Jesus is. So number one, he jumps in the womb. Number two, he preaches in the wilderness. Luke chapter 3 and verse number 2. Luke chapter 3 and verse number 2. Luke chapter number 3 and verse number 2 says this, And John, the son of Zechariah, preached in the wilderness. Verse number 3, And he went throughout all of the region of Jordan, preaching repentance for the remission of sin. So guess what? Number one, John knew who Jesus was even in the womb. Number two, John began to preach Jesus in the wilderness. Number three, not only did John know who Jesus was in the womb, because he leaped in the womb when he came in contact with Mary. Not only did he preach in the wilderness, but the Bible tells us that John, in Luke chapter 3, verse 22, Luke chapter 3 and verse number 22, the Bible says this, verse number 22, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form in a dove and a voice came from heaven saying, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So guess what? John the Baptist knew who Jesus was in the womb. Number two, he preached Jesus in the wilderness. And number three, he heard about Jesus by the water. Do you see that? He knew who Jesus was in the womb. He preached Jesus in the wilderness. And by the water, he heard God's voice and said, this is my son. So what are you saying? You see what's happening here? The womb, the wilderness, and the water. In three different stages, John the Baptist understood who Jesus was. He leaped in the womb because he got excited when he came in contact with the Virgin Mary and she was holding the Christ child. John the Baptist could sense that that Jesus was called and anointed and he leaped in the womb. He got older and he began to preach about his cousin in the wilderness. And even when he was baptizing people in the water, God spoke and said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. Now, I know you're sitting there thinking to yourself, what are you talking about, pastor? Okay, I... John the Baptist, he, he, he knows about Jesus in the womb. He, he knows about Jesus in the wilderness, and he knows about Jesus by the water. What does that have to do about anything? What does that have to do about repeating yourself? Because I just read the story to you that the Bible says that John the Baptist was in prison. Now, why was John the Baptist in prison? Well, remember, he's preaching in the wilderness. And you know what John the Baptist began to preach? He began to preach repentance. And the king was Herod. And you know what the king was doing? The king was sleeping with his brother's wife. And guess what John the Baptist did? John the Baptist got on the scene and said, Listen, King Herod, what you are doing is an abomination. What you are doing is sin. And guess what? King Herod didn't like 
what John the Baptist was preaching. And guess what King Herod did? King Herod threw him in prison because John the Baptist was preaching against his sin. Let me just stop and say this. Anytime you start preaching on sin and anytime you start slaying sacred cows, people are going to get upset when you take their milk from them. John the Baptist was preaching against sin and King Herod didn't like it. So he throws him in prison. Now let's stop here. Let's stop here. John the Baptist heard and felt Jesus when he was in the womb. He leaped. Number two, he preached Jesus in the wilderness. Number three, he heard God's voice by the water and it confirmed who Jesus was. And yet now John the Baptist is in one of the greatest trials of his life. John the Baptist is now in prison for doing something right. Let me just say this. You can do what's right and end up in the wrong place. I'm going to say that again. You can do what's right and end up in the wrong place. John the Baptist preached against sin and ended up in the prison because he did something right. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Just because life ain't going the way you think it should doesn't mean that God is not with you and working in you to accomplish his plan and his purpose. Sometimes we think God has left us. God, why am I in the jailhouse when I did what you told me to do? God, I've been preaching your word. I felt you even in the womb. I heard your voice by the water, and now I'm in prison? I was doing what was right. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, you can do what's right and still end up at the wrong place. John the Baptist did what's right, but he ended up in the wrong place. Now get this, John the Baptist is in prison. And John the Baptist had a crisis experience. Come on, y'all with me? You know what John the Baptist began to think? I'm his cousin. I'm related to this man. I'm preaching for this man. I heard God's voice. I know this man is true because I heard God's voice at the water. And now I'm in prison for doing something good for this man. And John the Baptist had a crisis experience because John the Baptist began to question his faith. Maybe he ain't who he said he was. But, but John the Baptist was having a struggle because John the Baptist, can you imagine him? He's thinking, well, I heard God's voice at the water and God said that was his son, so I don't know what to believe. I know my heart is telling me that Jesus is true and Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, but why am I in prison for this man? I read the story to you, did I not? John's in prison, the Bible says, and John sent two disciples. John sent two disciples and said to these disciples, can you go ask Jesus one more time for me? If Jesus is the one? Can you go and ask Jesus if he is the one I've been waiting for? Now let me say this, ladies and gentlemen. How much more proof does John the Baptist need? John felt him as a fetus in the womb. John preached about him his whole life. John heard God approve of Jesus. 
I mean, come on, John the Baptist. How much more approval, how much more signs do you need to prove to you that Jesus is the one? And yet John the Baptist is in prison and he sends two disciples. And he says to the disciples, go ask him if he's the one. Now I know you're clapping. And I know we get excited here, but I just got to stop here and tell you all something that that reminds us of us. I can look throughout this audience and God has saved many of you and all of us from situations. God has healed your bodies. God has showed up at the midnight hour with a check in the mailbox and you didn't even know it was coming. God has preserved your children from evil. He's protected you. And yet, when we're in the dungeon of our life, when we're in the prison of our life, sometimes we have a struggle and a crisis of faith trying to remember, I don't, maybe it was all a hallucination. Maybe it wasn't true after all. I don't know about you, but is there anybody in the building that can just be honest with the preacher this morning and say, I've been there, I've been there, I've been there. I've been there. John the Baptist, how much more approval do you need? How many more signs do you need to prove that Jesus is the one? And he sends two disciples. The Bible says in Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 7, in verse number 18, look at the phrase there. Luke 7, verse 18. Then the disciples of John reported to him concerning these things. And John, calling two of the disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or should we look for another? Now, come on, John. Come on, John. I mean, you've been preaching about him. Come on, John. How much more sign do you need to prove to you that Jesus is the one? Listen, I pastor church so that y'all know. And I struggle with a lot of people. I struggle myself. When they hit rock bottom, sometimes they doubt everything that ever good happened to them. This is what John's having. John's saying, I don't know if he's the one. I'm doubting because I'm in jail. Never doubt in the dark, what God has showed you in the light. Can I just say that again? Never doubt in the dark what God has showed you in the light. And so John the Baptist is in prison. You know what I want you to see in this story? I want you to see the faith. There's faith here. Number one, there's faith. You know why there's faith? Because Jesus said this. Now, have you ever read the Scriptures and you miss something? I missed something when I read this. But I just want to share it with you. Look at John. It'll be behind me. John chapter 7, verse 23. This is what Jesus says to those two disciples. John 7 and verse 23. Jesus says, John chapter 7 and verse number 23. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. You see that? Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. You know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, go tell John, don't get offended 
by me. John, don't get offended because you did everything right and you ended up in the wrong place. John, don't get offended because you did everything right. You went to church, you tithe, you was the best Christian, you had the biggest Bible, you was sanctified, you never missed a service, and yet your life has ended up in a place that you never dreamed of. John, don't get offended. And you know what the problem with some church people are today? They're easily offended by people and God. John, you're going to have to have some faith. John, you're going to have to believe me in spite of what you feel about me. John, you're going to have to believe me and not get offended by me because your life didn't turn out the way it should have. John, don't get offended because you went to prison. I know you did good. I know you was preaching. I know... I know, I know that you're my cousin, but don't get offended by me. Can I just say this, ladies and gentlemen? Can I ask some of you a question? Can some of you forgive God? Some of you are holding grudges about God. Mad at God. Offended at God. Don't understand God. Listen, if you understood everything, then you could be God. A part of being human is not knowing everything. God is the one that knows everything. When you can't trace God, you got to simply trust God. How many knows I'm preaching real good up in here? And somebody just helped the preacher out. Blessed is he that don't get offended at me. John, don't get offended. At me, John, hold faith. Because you know what real faith is? Real faith is believing God when you think you have been offended by God. Real faith is believing God even when you're disappointed in your life. Real faith is trusting God even when life is a big disappointment. That's true faith. That's real faith. It don't take no faith to believe God when your bank account has money and your body is healed and your family is prosperous. It takes real faith to hold on when life is about ready to throw you off the boat and you're about ready to drown in the waves and the winds of life. Real faith is holding on and saying, I'm not letting go. I still believe and I still trust you. John is having a crisis, folks. He had faith. You say, well, it doesn't look like it's faith. He's doubting. Doubt is always possible, but it's never profitable. So just because you doubt doesn't mean that you don't believe. It's never profitable but it may happen. Just like the, the servant said to Jesus, Jesus said, do you believe? And the servant said, Lord, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. John, 
was in a crisis moment where he just wanted one more sign. John's thinking to himself, if I'm going to die, if I'm going to die in this prison, I need one more sign to prove to me he's the one. Because I don't want to die in vain. Have you ever felt that way? Lord, if I'm going through this hell and I'm going through this mess, can you speak to me one more time to let me know you're with me all the way? Have you ever been there before? Have you ever been there? If I'm going to walk through this valley, just speak a word to me that I know that you're with me in the valley. John said, speak to me one more time, Lord. Isn't it interesting that the Bible says in John 7 and verse 19, John 7, excuse me, Luke 7, 19, Luke 7, verse 19, isn't it interesting that the Bible says that John, now don't lose me, I'm almost done. John calls two disciples and says to the disciples, go, because remember John's in prison, so John says to the two disciples, and the two disciples were probably visiting him in prison. So John says to these two disciples, will you go and ask Jesus if he's the one? Now, do you see that? Now, go to verse number 20. Verse number 20 in the next verse. And the men had come to him, and they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Now, let's stop here because I don't know if you all got it. He called two friends. Everybody say two. They were probably visiting him in the prison. John says to him, will you go and find out if Jesus is really the one? I'm having some doubts. Now let me just stop here and say this before I move on. John the Baptist is struggling right now. He is struggling with his faith. And he wants to know one more time if Jesus is the one. I know I've preached about him. I know I heard God's voice. I know I've, I've seen Jesus heal the sick, but I'm struggling right here because I'm in prison. And he is being transparent with his friends. His friends are thinking to themselves, John the Baptist is really struggling here. Okay, if you want me to go ask, I'll go ask for you. John the Baptist was being transparent and open with his friends. He was being vulnerable to his friends. Now, this confuses me. John the Baptist, a great prophet, a great prophet is struggling. Who does the prophet go to when they're struggling? Who does the pastor go to when he is struggling? Who does the bishop go to when he is struggling? John the prophet is struggling with his faith and he confines himself with just two disciples. He's saying to them, I'm struggling, getting ready to die. I've worked all my life for this man. And if I'm going to die, I've got to hear his voice one more time to let me know that if I die, that he was really the one I've waited for all my life. Those disciples left. And this is what the most powerful part of the story is. Those disciples left his presence. And the Bible says in verse number 20, I'm about to shout here. Y'all getting me? Those disciples left. Everybody said the disciples left. 
Verse number 20. And when the men had come to him, who did the disciples go to? Jesus, right? And they're asking Jesus the question that John is asking. Now stop there. I don't know if y'all got it. Jesus, John, talking to two disciples. John is being vulnerable with two disciples. John is opening his heart up to two disciples. And those two disciples goes to Jesus. Let me say it again. John is being open. John is struggling. John needs to know Jesus is the one. He's pouring his heart out to two disciples, and the disciples go to Jesus. I'm going to say that again. John is being open. John is crying. John is being vulnerable. John is telling his disciples, I need to hear his voice. And the disciples go to Jesus. They didn't get on the phone and they didn't gossip about their leader. They didn't get on Facebook and say, our leader is having struggle. They didn't get on Facebook and say, our leader is struggling. Can somebody pray for him? They go to Jesus. You want me to preach a little bit? You need to get hooked up with somebody that you can open your heart to. And that person goes to Jesus on your behalf. You know why people don't open up anymore? Because our mouths never stop. Getting on Facebook, calling everybody on the phone. Did you know sisters, did you know sisters shout a lot and brother uh, stand a lot? Don't, did, don't you know what they did last week? I don't know why pastor's using them because blah, blah. And we just degrade instead of going to Jesus. When the leader is struggling, you don't verbalize it all over town. You take it to Jesus. Can somebody shout Hallelujah. And what has happened with the church is that we have killed our leaders by our mouth. And this story demonstrates to us that when you have a crisis of faith, when you feel like your life is falling apart and you open your heart to someone, if they're really there to help you, they should take your problem to Jesus and never take your problem to the world. Somebody better say amen. Grandma Beaver, who is in our presence this morning. I love her deeply. We all love her deeply. Some, sometimes, I, not very often, but I've just went to her house and just sat there and talked for hours. Stories. What God has done throughout the years. One thing that Grandma Beaver, many things about her life inspires me, but there's one thing that I'll never forget. Grandma Beaver said, Pastor, this is, Several years ago when we was in our old building, she said, I've learned in my life that if there's church issues, I never take it home and discuss it with my husband who is unsaved. I take it to Jesus. And I said, Grandma, why didn't you ever tell your husband? She said, oh, she said, baby, I've seen all kinds of stuff through the years. But my husband never knew a thing. He always thought the church was great. And Grandma said, you know why I never told him? Because the church is the vehicle to get him to Jesus. Hallelujah. And I don't want to get the vehicle too dirty. Somebody say amen. God give us men and women who know how to take things to Jesus instead of running our mouth all the time. Y'all thought I was going to preach a nice sermon this morning. But how many knows it's the truth? Took it to Jesus. And you know, you know what happens? They take it to Jesus and look, John the Baptist sent us to you. Are you the one? Are you the coming one? 
And now, now get this, church. You would think Jesus would stand up and say, I am the light of the world. You go tell John, don't worry about it. I love him. And, and you go tell him, you go give him a sticker and let him know that I appreciate him. Because isn't that what we want to hear when our life is falling apart? We want somebody to get on Facebook and tell, you're going to make it, baby. You're going to come through. And we want everybody to hug us and pat us and give us a pacifier, let us know. But Jesus never played that game. You would think Jesus would answer these disciples. But the Bible says, verse 21, and that very hour, he went out and healed the sick and cast out devils. Now, hold on. You mean to tell me he never answered these disciples? Nope. But you know what Jesus was saying to these disciples? Come and follow what I do. <laughs> and when you see the blind see, and you see the lame walk, when you see all that, there is no other conclusion but that I am the one that was promised. You go ahead and let John know that you saw it with your own eyes and he is the one, the Messiah, the rock of ages. You see, sometimes you won't hear him say a thing. In the crisis of your faith, you might not hear Jesus say anything, but if you keep your eyes open, you'll see him work around you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You say, Pastor, I want to hear God's voice again. Sometimes God don't even say a word. God is saying, just follow me. And when you follow me, you'll see infirmities healed, afflictions healed. You'll see demons cast out in the blind sea. I don't know about you, but is there anybody in here that you haven't heard God in a while, but you've seen, do, you've seen God do some things? Can I hear somebody say amen? How many can wave your hand and say, I testify that God is moving? How many can testify that you've seen God do the impossible? And you know what God is saying? That if you've seen it, you know it's true. Those disciples went back and said, John, Jesus really never answered us, but he made us follow him. And John, we just want to come back to tell you that every person, this man you call Jesus, your cousin, every person he laid his hands on, they begin to see. I saw him raise dead people up off their deathbed, John. John, I saw people who was covered with leprosy and one touch from his finger healed their body, John. John, I can't help but to tell you that he is the promised one, that he is the redeemer, he is the healer, he is the baptizer of the Holy Ghost. John, you can die in peace and know he's the one. These friends came back and said, John, He is the one. Because this story teaches us that when you can't hear God's voice and you don't discern God moving in your life, you've got to find fulfillment in what God is doing in other people's lives. 
Bible says in closing, John 7, verse 24. Luke 7, 24, excuse me. Luke 7, 24. And when the messengers of John had departed, see, look at verse 22. Look at verse 22, I'm sorry. John 7, 22. And Jesus answered these disciples and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you have seen that the blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. John, don't get offended at me that I'm not telling you what you want to hear. Don't get offended, John. These disciples are telling you what they saw. Verse 24, And when the messengers of John had departed, he began to speak to the multitude concerning John. Jesus turns around to the multitude and says, what did you go out in the wilderness and see? A reed shaken by the wind? That's John. But what did you go out and see? A man clothed not in soft garments or in luxury or fine apparel in king's courts. But what did you see? A prophet. Yes, I say to you, it's, he's more than a prophet. This is he who whom it is written, Behold, I send messengers before your face, will prepare your way before you. For I say to you, among those who are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than that of John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater. See, it's interesting that Jesus never praised John to his face. It would have been great if Jesus could have sent the word to his disciples and said, go tell my cousin John that I think he's the greatest prophet who's ever lived. That would have been encouraging in jail. All John heard was those disciples to come back and say, I saw him do these miracles, and we conclude he's the one. But yet Jesus praises John to the multitude. Teaches us sometimes that you may never hear the praise that doesn't mean there's no praise going on. He praised him, not to his face, but he praised him to the multitude. In other words, his legacy lived on in the hearts of these people. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm, I'm saying that Jesus had to repeat himself. I mean, how many times does Jesus have to repeat? John's heard it in the wilderness. John felt it in the womb. John heard it by the water. And yet, there's still a crisis. Jesus said, I'm not going to repeat myself. John, you've been with me for years, you know. I'm going to perform some more miraculous signs. And that's going to confirm what you already know to be true. That is, I am the Son of God. The story tells us that John the Baptist, Herod's stepdaughter, came out and did a dance. Herod was drunk. You know, when you get drunk, you do stupid stuff. I mean, as you shouldn't be getting drunk. So, Herod 
leaned over to that young lady and said, Ask me whatever you want in my kingdom, and I'll give it to you. She said, Give me the head of John the Baptist. His life ended. He was beheaded in prison. But before he was beheaded, John was convinced. He has to be the one I've waited for. And it's been 2,000 years since John the Baptist. We've had much evidence since then. We have a book that tells us about him. We have churches. We have 2.3 billion Christians around the world. There's enough evidence to prove to us that Jesus is who he really said he was.